I'm going to just pray for us, and then we're going to be in Romans chapter 10. Lord, we love you, God. I thank you for this night. God, I just thank you for the honor of standing up here, Lord. And I just humble myself in your sight. God, we don't just need to hear another sermon. Lord, we don't just need to come check off Wednesday night. God, and they definitely don't need to hear from me, God. But we, God, we need to hear from you. And I pray that you would touch us, Lord Jesus. If we're not going to leave change, then there's no reason that we should be here, God. Lord, I just pray that you would have your way in this place, Lord. And God, speak to my heart. Touch my heart. Touch our hearts. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Um, if you turn to Romans chapter 10, we're going to really, this is really based off one verse. It's kind of an unusual verse. Um, it's based off one, but we're going to hit a lot. But um, Dad, Dad had been asking me to preach, and um, I've just been thinking of reasons why I couldn't. We're in baseball right now, school and baseball. It's really busy, and it is. Um, but I was just thinking there's no time to prepare. I can't. And Dad came and asked me the other day when I was praying. And right when he asked me, I just felt like the Lord told me, if you say yes, I'll give you a word. And so I said yes, and I've been praying, and he, he's, I believe he's given me a word. And this is a word I just kind of challenge for y'all and for myself. This is the kind of word when you hear it that's easy to say, I know the guy sitting next to me or my friend at work or this guy that's a Christian, that's really for him. You know what I mean? It's one of those words that you hear. That's not really me. It's really for him. But I believe the Lord, just all week, I've been just praying, Lord, I don't want to just preach it. Like, please do this in my heart. And so Romans chapter 10, verse 2, um, Paul's writing, and he says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They have a zeal of God, and not according to knowledge. And something I have written here, it says, All the passion in the world... For the wrong thing is worthless. And you see a lot of people today that have zeal. They have passion for what they do. You see people outside of the church, and this really isn't the focus tonight, but you see Muslims, and they're going and they're blowing up their body, and they're doing these crazy things because they're passionate for what they believe, even though what they believe is wrong. So they have zeal, but they don't have knowledge. And I think that's very sad for us because you see Muslims that are dying for God that's never talked to them, a God that's never changed their life and brought them from death to life. And they're dying in hopes that this God is real. Really a blind faith. And we've experienced it and they still, I believe, have a lot more zeal than us. Um, you see Mormons, they, they go on their Mormon mission and they'll go across the world and do their mission and they'll do that. And you see humanitarian workers that'll go out and they're clean ulcers and they'll take care of people that are sick and work with AIDS patients. And these are great things, but it's zeal, but it's without knowledge and they don't bring Christ. And not only do they die and spend eternity in hell, but the people that they helped, if they don't bring them Christ, they die and spend eternity in hell. So it's zeal and it's passion, but it's, there's no knowledge there. And when Paul's talking about this verse, he's talking about Israel and he goes on to talk about how Israel was basically that Christ had come, they had seen Him, just thought He was another man, and they had, rather than being saved by grace through faith and repenting of my sins and putting my trust in Him, they were still just trying to do it their own way. And they were still trying to be righteous on their own. Um, but you see people today that have a zeal, and one, one thing I think of is a lot of my students, they, they'll say, you know, like, Coach, I'm doing good. Like, I'm fine. Like, how are you doing with the Lord? Like, Coach, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, I'm not out like partying and all that. And we're not doing all the crazy stuff, so we think we're okay. But again, like whose standards are we okay for? Like, am I good? A lot of times we think we're doing good just even in this room. God, I'm doing good because I'm in church three times a week 
And I read a chapter in Psalms this morning, and I read one in John yesterday, and we're doing good, but whose standard are we looking to? Dad's been talking a lot about the standard being the Word of God. Um, And so it's really important for us there. And one one other thing I think of when I think of this is like a a firecracker Christian. Um, In Matthew 13, we'll hit it just really quick. You see somebody that comes to the Lord, and they're genuine, they really are, and they're excited about the Lord, and they're burning for the Lord, but just as quickly as they get up, they get down. Just as quickly as the preacher could convince them that God's real, that's just how quick the world can convince them that God's not real. Just as quickly as they get excited for God whenever He's blessing them, man, I have this joy, and I have this peace, and I have this love, and these people are, I have these new godly friends. But then the other friends leave, and then they go through some trials, and in Matthew chapter 13, um, it's the parable of the sower and the seed. Matthew 13, it's talking about one of them. He says, But he that received the seed into stony places, same as he that hears the word, and anon with joy receives it, yet he, yet he does not have root in himself, endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, by and by he is offended. And you see people, they get excited and they're burning for God. And sometimes it really is genuine. The Lord has done something awesome in their life. But if they're not founded on the Word of God, if they're not in this book, it's not going to last. I had a, um, a buddy at LC, and I loved it because I would invite the baseball guys to our Bible study, and they would always say no. Um, they were nice about it, they were respectful, but they'd say no. We had a new guy that was just always to himself. Okay, we called him Hollywood. He's in from California. He's too cool for everybody, like always to himself. And I'd always ask him to come to Bible study. And he would just kind of blow me off. And I was just like, you scared? Like, you coming or what? And I just, I didn't think anything of it. I just walked away. And he shows up one night. And he starts coming. And he keeps coming. I was like, what made you come? He's like, well, you told me I was scared. Like, I don't want to be scared. So he kept coming. And um, he would just come and he would sit there. And we would try to get him to hang out with us. So he would come and... Um, for about four months, he was hearing God's word. He's just sitting there, and then one night, like he looked, and I would ask him all the time, like, Brandon, are you saved? Do you know you're saved? Yeah, yeah, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. I know the Lord, and he's in Bible study every week with us. He'd come to church on Sundays, but I knew he wasn't. And he's sitting in Bible study one night, and we, we, we actually we were going to have Bible study, and the guy that was about to teach said, Look, I don't even, I'm not even supposed to share. We're just going to pray tonight. And we just spread out. We had this big room in the bottom floor of the student center. And we would just spread out in there. Somebody grab a guitar and we'd just pray and just worship. And if somebody had something, they'd share it. We looked over. We had been in there for like 30 minutes and the Lord was moving. And we looked over at Brandon and he's sitting there and he just looks like just so bothered. My friend Tyler comes and grabs him and he goes, hey man, like I think Brandon's ready. Like I think he's ready to give his life to the Lord. So we get him, we ask him and he's like, man, I'm ready. And he gave his life to the Lord that night. Um, but it was so cool because he, nobody told him, like, I'm sure we told him, hey, you need to spend time in God's Word, but nobody was on him every day, but he was in this book. I walked into his room a couple weeks later, and there's scriptures written on paper just all over the wall. He's got all this stuff, and we're in Bible study a few weeks later, and we're all just kind of walking around in there praying like we did, and Brandon's like, guys... There's this scripture pat like he didn't even know how to call it. He's like, there's this like number here, little it's like a big twelve and like a little nineteen. And he read the verse. He's like, like this says that God loves us. Like like he was just blown away. And he read it. 
It's a verse all of us have heard before. So we were like, yeah, that's good. But it was so cool because in a few weeks, he grew so much more than some of the people that were in the Bible study that had grown up in Christian homes and, and had grown up in church three times a week. He grew and he's still growing and that's wonderful to see. But just talking about the Word of God. Um, and one other thing is we talk kind of about the firecracker Christian that comes up and goes down because they're not founded upon this Word. We see so many people in the church that are pursuing just new fads. Whatever comes up, it sounds good, it looks good, so we'll go with it. Um, we talked about chapel a little bit, but we're sitting there again today and just the worship, I'm just... It's just worthless. I'm just sitting there and it, it does nothing to me. I'd rather be gone. But it's just so funny because so many people that were really uncomfortable with it at the beginning, are they might not love it now, but they're okay with it now. You know what I'm saying? And if we don't say something or step up or do something about it now, and we allow our hearts to just kind of, I don't like it. It's not good right here, but I'll be here, but I'm not going to say anything. And then pretty soon it's, well, it's really not that bad. It's still not my favorite. And pretty soon... I'm, we're going to look up in a couple of years, in a couple months, those people are going to be, they're going to be loving it. It's going to be the worship that they listen to. And so we have to stand on this word. It has to be a zeal, but a zeal with knowledge. Okay? Um, if y'all would turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise they became fools. And as I was reading this, the part that really stuck out to me was in verse 18. It says they were holding the truth in unrighteousness. They had it. It's not like God was far from them. It's not one of these Calvinistic doctrines where I'll reveal myself to Alberto, but I'm not to buck. Like They held the truth, but they held it in unrighteousness and went down. And it says because when they knew God, they would not glorify Him as God. It's like you're holding it, but it's like you don't want it in your hand. It's like almost like you're dumping it out. I don't want this, God. And so God put, had the knowledge there all the time. He has His Word there, and it's available to Him. And they're hearing the Scriptures, but God, we don't want You. And we're pushing God's Word away. And again, they knew about God, but they did not know God. Um, I'm going to just hit a few verses here really quick. In Philippians chapter 1. Um, y'all can turn there with, or Philippians chapter 3, I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 3, Paul's talking to the church in Philippi. Um, and he's talking about kind of his testimony. It says, though I might also, in verse 4, have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, is touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I was persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is of the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. 
And we see this passage here, zeal without Christ, he counts it as loss. I was passionate about something. I was so passionate. I was giving my life. He says, you want to know how passionate I was? I was literally taking people's lives because I was so convinced of what I had. But he says, I willingly trade that for the knowledge of Christ. Um, and I'll read one more verse and then we'll kind of slow down with all the verses. Because I know I'm hitting a lot early. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. And just kind of a little preface on this verse. Um, Paul's, Paul's talking in Ephesians chapter 4 about the unity. Unity in Christ and unity in the body. Saying there's one body. There's one Holy Spirit that's working there. And I know we've talked about that a lot when, when Dad was going through a healthy church. Um, but the unity of the Spirit. And then in chapter, in chapter 4 verse 14. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Um, I'm going to just read what I have here. Um, it says, speaking of unity in the body, he's talking about speak, the unity in the body and the fivefold ministry. And the purpose of the body um, is to be built up in Christ, to build up one another in Christ. The, the reason God gives us gifts is not for ourselves, to, but to build up one another um, and just a note I have here, it really doesn't apply to the sermon so much, but I believe it applies to our church. Um, something that God's been putting on my heart in terms of unity is unity outside of Christ, His Word, and the Holy Spirit is just as bad or worse than disunity. Um, again, that's not really what we're having here, but think um, to the Tower of Babel, they're incredibly unified. Yeah. And we look at zeal, it's a ton of passion, and they're unified, and they're going in one direction, but they're going against God. <coughs> You see in the Battle of Armageddon, the Battle of Gog and Magog, these armies are unified. They're unified against God. And so many Christians, so many churches, they are unified in their church. I love my church. I love my pastor. I love my youth teacher. I love this. And we're unified in that. And there's zeal and there's passion in that. But there's no zeal and there's no passion for this. And we're doing really good because we're in church and we're together and we're unified but we're doing good according to our standards. And all the while, God's removed himself. So many churches, guys, there's worship. And I pray it doesn't happen here. We, but we never want to say that. We never want to say, oh, it's not happening. We want to always hold ourselves according to this book. But so many churches, they're up there and they've done their worship and they've done their music. And the Lord said, guys, that's not the way. That's not my direction. That's not it. But they tune him out because we really want to go this way. And we really want to do this. And pretty soon God removes himself. And I believe that there's churches all across the world that are passionate and they have zeal and they're having church, but they're having church without Christ. And he's not there. And they sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Just like they sang in chapel today, Holy Spirit was not there. The Holy Spirit's not there and God's not at work if we won't do it his way. He says, if you want to do it your way, that's fine. Go do it your way, but I'm not going to be a part of it. Um, and so something I just have right here is that we cannot be swayed like it says in verse 14. We're not children anymore. For the most part, the people in this room, we've grown up and we've been in church for a while. And we're men and women that are up here teaching Sunday school and we're preaching. We're lead, y'all leading your children and leading our families. And Paul is saying, don't be tossed around anymore. We don't have time for that. God's coming back soon. We have to stay in this word and know what God's word says so that when a very clever attack of the enemy comes tomorrow and we have that slight hesitation that we, we know God's word and we're close enough to the Holy Spirit to where we heed that and we don't give in to that. Something I've written here is that we must know the word of God and the God of the word and his word must be our uncompromised standard. 
Um, in Psalm 119.11, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, but the whole thing, David just pouring out his heart saying, I love your word. I love your statues. I love your ways. Teach me your ways. It's not so many of our prayers are that God would do our will. God, do my will. Please, I need you to come. I need your strength because I know I'm not strong enough to do this. You come do my will. But David's saying, God, teach, change my mind, change my heart. Not that I'm trying to change God's, but that you would change mine. Okay, we need, we need to know the Word of God and the God of the Word. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it's a verse you all know too. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We had this as a memory verse in class, and I kind of told it to my kids like this when we were explaining it and talking about it. It's a study to show yourself approved so you're not ashamed before God. It's almost like a dad and like Buck's going out of town. He looks at Zane. He says, for the weekend, you're the man of the house. I need you to do this and this. When I get home, I need these done. Zane wants to do it even though he doesn't want to do it. He wants to do it because he wants to look Buck in the eyes. And I was kind of talking to our kids and talking to myself and talking to us tonight that when we stand before God, I know it's nothing we've done, but be able to look God in the eyes knowing that you've done what He called you to do. Peter was talking in Sunday school and he said, okay, as a Christian, if I die, I go into heaven. As a Christian, what are you doing right now for Christ? Okay? And um, I think this is so important too. As we know God's Word, it also talks about, in John chapter 10, I'm not going to read it, but Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And it's so important, guys, we have to know this book and we have to be close enough to the Holy Spirit that when He speaks, we hear it. Because we got noises going in our head all day. I'm hearing myself, I'm hearing my friends, I'm hearing my family, I'm hearing my principal that's my boss, I'm hearing the baseball coaches, I'm hearing my, my, what I want, and we hear all these things. We have to be close enough to Him, be quiet enough, and be focused on Him enough to hear His voice. When we hear it, we have to be close enough to Him and know Him enough to where we can recognize it to be His. You know, a lot of times we're like, well, I'm not sure if that's God's or not. As we spend time with Him more, we come to know His voice more. So we have to be able to hear it. Once we hear it, we've got to recognize it. And then once we recognize it, it still does no good unless we obey it. Because a lot of times we as Christians, sitting in this room, I know I have, I've heard God's voice. I've said, okay, God, is this you? Yes, it is. Okay, now I know it's you, but I still don't want to do it. We have to hear God's voice. We have to recognize it as His. And then we have to obey it. Um, and just a challenge kind of for us in terms of this, in terms of the knowledge, is that we, that we, we know God's Word, but we also know the, we know the Word of God, but we know the God of the Word. There's so many people, guys, that know all about this book. There's atheists. I've heard atheists in debates that are debating these Christian apologists, and they say, dude, I've read your book from cover to cover. Still don't believe it. Okay, I could read this whole thing, the Pharisees, guys, they could quote the first five books of the Bible. Okay, so they knew they knew this book, but they still didn't know the God that was there. They can quote Leviticus 17, 9, and Jesus is walking right in front of them and they miss it. So we got to know what this book says, but as we spend time with it, we got to let God have his word and start working in our light to where we're conformed to his image. So kind of our challenge in terms of this um, is that we know God's word, we know him, and we're close enough to the Holy Spirit to listen. Um, two more things in terms of this, and then we'll hit something else for the end. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. Y'all can turn there. It's a, it's a verse I know y'all are familiar with. 
But Paul's talking to Timothy. I think this is the last book he wrote or one of them. Um, Timothy's kind of his son in the faith, kind of like a Paul's kind of like his mentor. He's kind of pouring into him before he dies. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, he says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And my challenge for us in this room, I believe God's challenge, we cannot pick and choose, and we know this, but we cannot pick and choose the parts of the Bible that we like and just ride that out to the end. We cannot do it. We cannot ever... We cannot ever think that we're too close to God. The first Corinthians says, Beware, take heed. When you think you stand, that's when you fall. Whenever I say, God, our church is perfect. We're good. We're fine. And the Lord says, Take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. And we, I, I just believe that we have to preach the whole Word of God. We have to know the whole Word of God. And we have to preach it to ourselves. Not just that we hear it in here and we say, okay, I really like that part about love. That's really good. That makes me feel great. But the part about the fear of God and the part about living holy and walking according to this God, that we accept that and we, we preach it to ourselves. Um, if you all turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read the first eight verses. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained, they've laid hold of this like precious faith. Because remember in Romans it said it was available to all. This like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, and add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. And to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This caught my eye because we're talking about having a knowledge, not just a zeal, but a knowledge of God's Word. And the word knowledge here is used five times. In verse 2, 3, and 8, the word knowledge is um, a Greek word. I'm not going to try to say it. It means precise and correct knowledge. It's used in the New Testament of knowledge of things ethical and divine it's recognition, it's full discernment like we were talking about. Hearing the Holy Spirit's voice saying, hey, that lines up with God's Word. It's discernment and it's acknowledgement. Again, if I hear His voice and I don't do it, if I hear it and I know it's Him but I don't do it, it means nothing. So it's a spiritual type of knowledge and it says grace and peace be multiplied through the knowledge of God. Okay, once you're saved, you have peace with God. But he says, guys, there's more that I want to give you. I pray that we never just check out or we never just get content and never just retire from our Christian life because we're doing good and we just glide through the rest. He says there's more grace, there's more peace that I want to multiply as you know me more. As you know me more, you're going to trust me more. And as you trust me more, that's going to be more peace in your life. God says he wants to do that in our life. Um, and then in verses 5 and 6, he uses a different word when he says knowledge. It refers to knowledge of general intelligence of science and implied knowledge. It can also refer to the basic knowledge of how a Christian should live. So the first three times it's kind of spiritual knowledge. The last two 
It's earthly knowledge. And I just have it written here. The only way that we can live godly, and the only way that we can have this faith and have this peace is to know the word of God and to stand on it. This can't be really true except this has to be the ultimate authority. It cannot just be something that we sit in here and we would all say the ultimate authority is God's word. Whenever it comes down to what I really feel and what this says, this has to win. Whenever it comes down to whatever the new thing that's sweeping through the churches is and it really feels good and I really want to jump on board, but this does something else, we have to stand on this. We can sit in here and agree and I can say amen, just like I can say amen that God's faithful, but if I don't trust him, I don't really believe it. Okay, we have to stand on this book. Okay, so a knowledge without zeal, a zeal without knowledge is worthless, but just kind of in finishing, um, a knowledge without zeal is worthless too. If I know it all and I don't have a passion for this God, it's worthless. If I know it all and I can quote again like the Pharisees, I can quote it, but I don't know this God personally, or I do, but it's been so long since I've let him stir me up, then it's worthless. There's pastors I've listened to before, and I'm sure you all have too, where, man, they weren't the smartest guy. He didn't know how to say the big words, but man, he knows Jesus. And Lord, I want what he's got. And there's other guys that come in, and they're so professional, and they give these elegant speeches, and that's what it is, speech. And they have their three points and all of this, and at the end of it, you're like, man, I can't even spell the degrees that he has, but I don't want what he's got. You know what I mean? It's a zeal that comes from when we just know the book, that's very good. It teaches about God. But then once you know about him, he says, okay, now submit to me and I will work that in your life and you will know me. Not just about me, but you will know me. We had, um, we had some professors at LC. There's some of them that I love. Some of the Bible professors is awesome men of God. And they had their doctrine in divinity or theology um, some of them I loved, I'd go sit in their office and they would pray for me and stuff. But there's some that would get up there in chapel and they would preach. And it would be so elegant, it would be all of this. But you just see, you hear their sermon and you sit in their class and you see their life. And you're like, man, I don't want it. Like whatever you have, I don't want it. I don't. I want the Lord and what you have is about Him. You put His name in your sermon, but man, He wasn't in your sermon. It was cool. I'll just kind of wrap up with this, these few thoughts. Um, my senior year at LC, we, we had a Bible study every year. We would meet late at night. We'd meet on 9 o'clock on Thursdays. And uh, the first Bible study of the year, I had met a, a little freshman, like a really goofy freshman, um, like the day before Bible study. And so he, had moved, he was in a different city. He was from North Louisiana. He didn't know anybody. I'd been in school a few years, so I was talking to him. I invited him to Bible study. He actually came. Um, so he comes to Bible study. He sits there. It was good. And then I saw him in the cafeteria a few days later, and he says, hey, can we get together and pray sometime? So I was, yeah, absolutely. Normally I'm the one asking people, like, this is cool. So we go and we pray, and I'm this senior that's leading Bible study, and he's this little freshman that's kind of nervous, and you know. So we go and we sit in, in our room down the bottom of the student center, just us. And we talked for a while, and then we, I was like, you want to pray? And he's like, yeah. So I closed my eyes and I prayed, and I wasn't, y'all got to kind of, Get where I'm coming from. I wasn't trying to be cocky or boastful, but I prayed this prayer, and at the end of it, I was just kind of like thinking to myself, really good prayer. <laughs> like that was, I, I prayed about all the stuff that God had done the first two years at LC, and God, now we're even stronger, and you're going to do more this year, and all of this, and I prayed about all that, and I wasn't trying to be cocky, but God really let me see my heart there. 
And it was it really was just like the parable where that Pharisee goes out and he just opens his mouth and he just prays out loud. And then my buddy comes in right after this nervous little freshman and he just, man, he prayed. He was just quiet. He never lifted his head up. He just talked to God and it was just him and God. And my heart was pierced because God, right there, God was like, you, you just prayed for the last three minutes about all the stuff that I did the last two years. You didn't pray about anything I'm doing right now. Right now, he's experiencing what you did experience. We can't get to a point where, man, God was awesome. He was working in my life then, and now we're just checked out and we're just riding on that. God's like, look, I want to do it in your heart now. I would have rather, that guy, he, had never, he didn't have a PhD, didn't even have a college degree. It was his first week on a college campus. I would have rather sit and just listen to him pray all semester than hear some of those professors that had doctorates in theology teach the, the most incredible sermons that they'd learned because he knew God. We have to have a knowledge of this word, and once we have it, we have to let him work this in us. So it's not just a knowledge about him, but it's a knowledge of him to where we know him. And then once we know him, a passion is going to come from that. If I go in the mornings and from 6 to 7, I pray and have a wonderful prayer time, and then at 7.30, our class starts, and I just had an awesome time with God, and I studied and I underlined, and then the kids come in and frustrate me, and I don't show Christ's love, then it means nothing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2, we'll just close with this. It's the, the love chapter, and Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, and we all know it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. It says, and though I have, all, have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity and have not love, I am nothing. It's not just that it is nothing, but I am nothing. And I pray to God tonight that we stand on this book, that we know what this book says, that we let God live this thing out through us. And when He does, if we're just living this out and we're dry, then it can't, there's, there's a disconnect there somewhere. Because we can't know this God and have, the, have a love for this God and be in love with this God and it not be revealed. There has to be a zeal and there has to be a passion. But y'all, you can come up and just um, pray. But I just, I just pray for us tonight. Again, we're not out doing a bunch of crazy things. But I pray to God that we're not just gliding through our Christian life, that we know this book, that we're studying this book and we're letting God work it in us. And then when people see our life, that they see a joy and a passion. That when other Christians, when other Christians see our life, they see a difference between what we have and what they have. And Lord, we love you, God. I just thank you for tonight. God, I pray that we would know your word, that we wouldn't just stand on what we feel. We wouldn't just stand on the modern, God, just ways that the churches are going. We would know you, we would stand on your word and on your truth. As it says in Ephesians 4, that we preach the truth in love. Not trying to win arguments, but trying to win a brother, God. And God, that there would be such a passion, not some fake stirred up stuff, but a passion. We'd be so in love with you. As the apostles said in Acts, we can't help but speak the things we've seen and heard. God, for so many of us, and I know for me, God, when I do speak the things I've seen and heard, it's because I really got to and you're forcing me to. But God, I just pray that it would be out of love to where I can't contain it, to where I'm about to pop. God, I pray that you give us a love for your word and a love for you, a love for people, God, to win them to you. We'd be passionate about you in this last days. We don't have time to get swayed. 
We don't have time to just push off the Holy Spirit when He's speaking to us. We don't have time to do our own thing. God, but I pray that you help us. God, help me. God, when we study your word, help us to live it out. Help us to know you. Help us to follow you. In your precious name.